Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkovitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is Unit 4 as we learn through the Mishnayot of Masachet Pesachim. Last time we saw the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim about whether after checking on the evening of the 14th, you needed to make subsequent checks. Rabbi Yehuda said yes, and the Chachamim said only if you forgot or were not able to do the first check, then you had to check at a later time period. I was so excited about telling you about the way one tells time in Mishnaic times to set us up for the next Mishnah that I apparently forgot to read to you the last line of Mishnah 3. So let's quickly just do that. It says, Ma er That which is left over, we will place it in a hidden place. So that I do not need to make a check afterwards. And this clearly is the view of the Chachamim, that I ideally am checking on the evening of the 14th. I find the Chametz, right, that I want to get rid of. But as we already discussed, there's still time that I can eat chametz and I'm going to have chametz left over that I might need to use. This text said, put it in one place, put it in a clearly hidden, clear place where you know where it is so that it doesn't get lost. Like hidden to me means like closed, maybe that the rats can't get to it. And so therefore, we don't want, God forbid, in the morning you come to eat your breakfast and then the chametz is missing. If the chametz is missing, the assumption from this line is I might need to check again if it was the specific chametz that I put away and I knew it was there. So the Mishnah warns you, put it clearly in a hidden place so that you can avoid having to recheck, right? Clearly in opposition to Rabbi Yehuda's view that requires you to recheck, right? This is a solution so that I don't need to recheck. Okay, that is the end of Mishnah 3. Mishnah 4 gets us to the time period. We were told in Mishnah 3 that there is going to be a time in which I have to eliminate all the chametz. And the question is, what time is that? And here we're going to see another dispute, this time between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir Omer, ochlin kol chamesh v'sofim t'chilat shesh. Rabbi Meir says, you eat the entire fifth hour and you burn at the beginning of the sixth hour. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, ochlin kol arba, v'tolim kol chamesh, v'tzarfim, v'tchilat shesh. Rabbi Yehuda says, you eat the entire fourth hour. It holds in abeyance. It's dangling. You don't do anything. There's no eating, apparently, in the fifth hour. And then you burn it at the beginning of the sixth hour. Okay, so there are a number of things that are similar between these two opinions and one slight difference, and we have to unpack what's going on here. Apparently, they both believe that you can eat the entire fourth hour, and they both believe that you have to burn the chametz at the beginning of the sixth hour. What they disagree about is the fifth hour, where Rabbi Meir thinks that you can eat chametz during the fifth hour, and Rabbi Yehuda thinks you should refrain. Okay, what's going on here? So I remind you, these hours are hours according to a sundial. If the sun rose at six and set at six, the sundial hour would be the same as our clock hour. Now, we need some background information to understand this. When is the Korban Pesach sacrificed? The verses in the Torah tell us a number of things about the Korban Pesach, but the two most relevant verses for us are thing number one, that 
two times in the Torah, once in Shemot Lamedalad Kafe, 34, 25, and once in Devarim, um, 16, 3, it says, Don't slaughter on chametz the blood of my sacrifice. That was Shemot. And in Devarim, it says, Don't eat this sacrifice with chametz. And so we learn something about the, the Korban Pesach sacrifice, that the Korban Pesach sacrifice should not be sacrificed when there's chametz around. There shouldn't be any chametz involved in the sacrifice. Now, this fits in with a general rule that we know about sacrifices. And that is in the Beit HaMikdash, the large majority of sacrifices, there's only two exceptions, and we'll, and we'll see one coming up in the next Mishnah. Um, if there is any type of bread offering with it, it is going to be matzah. Because the verse, there's other verses in uh, Sefer Vayikra, which says explicitly that you can't put chametz on the Mizbeach, you can't put chametz on the altar. And so here too, what's interesting about the Koran Pesach, which originally, if I, if you recall, in Mitzrayim is a home sacrifice, right? Once the Beit Hamikdash gets built, it, it gets sacrificed in the Beit Hamikdash. But it originally was a sacrifice that the Jewish people did at home. And you might have thought that possibly the rules of sacrifices don't apply. And so the divine has to say, no, the rules that apply to all sacrifices, that we don't do sacrifices with chametz, apply to Korban Pesach. When you sacrifice it, there can't be any chametz. That's one, rule number one. Rule number two is when do I sacrifice the Korban Pesach? The Pesach says, the verses in the Torah say that it should be Bein Ha'arbayim, that it should be between the evenings. And there's a number of places in Shemot and in, in Bamidbar where it says this. And the way the rabbis understand the between the evenings is that is from the time that the sun crests over the midway point and starts to set. Right. Evening number one is after a crest over the midway point, And evening number two is when it sets. And sometime between the evenings, i.e. the afternoon, is when you're going to sacrifice it. So the earliest possible time that you could sacrifice this Korban Pesach is at Chatzot, is at midday. Which, if you are counting daylight hours, right? Zero to one is hour number one. Z one to two is hour number two. So then hour six to seven right? And the beginning of the seventh hour would be chatzot, would be midday. And from the Torah, you have to stop um, having chametz because I now need to sacrifice the Korban Pesach from the seventh hour. What is interesting is the rabbis made a siag, they made a fence to protect that Korban Pesach, to make sure that we didn't have any chametz around. And they said, instead of having to get rid of chametz from the beginning of the seventh hour, which is Torah law, we have to get rid of chametz from the beginning of the sixth hour, and that is rabbinic law, and that is what um, is when we burn the chametz. That is when we burn the chametz to get rid of it. And and both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda agree that I burn the chametz from the beginning of that hour. Where they disagree is for how long can I eat the chametz. Rabbi Meir says I can eat the chametz right up up to the last moment, right up to the last moment, and Rabbi Yehuda says no. You can't eat chametz up to the last moment. And I think to understand Rabbi Yehuda's view, we could look at him where he speaks in Mishnah Sanhedrin, Hey Gimel 5.3. There he's talking about people's testimonies. And what, what you see about Rabbi Yehuda is he doesn't think that the average person is so perfect at reading a sundial 
or the average person is so perfect at looking at the sky and understanding exactly based on where the sun is, what time it is. Because people can make mistakes. It's not a precise science. And so when he's talking in Mishnah Sanhedrin, he's talking about if people testify in a case, right? I need two witnesses to collaborate evidence and, and then I can use that as proof in a case. The, the Mishnah there talks about, well, what if one witness says it happened at the third hour and one witness said it happened at the fifth hour? Rabbi Yehuda will accept those as testimonies that match. But if one witness said it happened at the fifth hour and one witness said it happened at the seventh hour, then he won't accept those as testimonies that match. And he explains why. He says at the fifth hour, the sun is in the east of the sky. And at, from the seventh hour on, the sun is in the west of the sky. So I don't think people are going to confuse that. I can have a general sense of looking at the sky and I see whether it's crossed the midway point and it's in the east or the west. So if two people say one says it's in the east and one says it's in the west, I'm not going to accept that as saying the same thing. But when the sun is in the same point of the sky, particularly very close to when it's directly above for Chatzot, people can get confused. I don't know. Is it really the third hour? Is it really the beginning of the fifth hour? It's hard to ascertain with the eye precise time. And so therefore, he'll accept people who say that as basically saying the same time. That helps us understand his view here. Because I want to be sure that I'm not, I burn exactly at the beginning of the sixth hour and I'm not eating any chametz, I'm not using any chametz, right? He, he gives an hour leeway where I cease from using chametz before I stop burning in case people make mistakes, in case people don't know how to read the sky or read the sundial properly, right? The rabbis already gave an hour buffer and he gives another buffer, right? Between so that, um, be, to be sure that you're doing it properly. And right, and this fits a little with his view of, I need to check again to be sure that I'm doing it properly. He's very concerned with that. Okay, that was the machloket between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Our next Mishnah is going to bring another view of Rabbi Yehuda. And this Mishnah says something very interesting. Va'od Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Shtei chalot shel sulot munuchot al gag there were two halot, loaves of bread, of the todah, of the thanksgiving offering, that are psulot, that had become nullified, that would, would lie on the roof of the itztaba. The itztaba is a section of the Beit HaMikdash. In English, you could use the word colonnade or portico. I don't know if those words mean anything to you. It's like a cover. It's open on the side with columns, but a covered roof. And Josephus, when he describes this in Herod's temple, he said it was a double colonnade, two on top of each other. That's how high it was. And so Rabbi Yehuda, who's concerned that people can't tell time, he wants there to be another sign for the people so that they can know what time it is. And so he says, here's the sign. We're going to have a sign in the temple. We're going to put two halot of, that are pasul from this korban todah, and we're going to talk about what this means in a second, what korban it was. It's going to be on the roof of the itztabah. Whenever there's two lying there, I just have to check, we can eat. Once they remove one of them, now I know we're in that time period where I have to be careful. Tolim, right? I, I don't eat, but I don't yet burn, right? That's what the Mishnah says. We don't eat and we don't burn. When they remove both of them, Kol ha'am sarfim, 
all the nation burns the chametz. And so now I don't have to worry so much about the people. Um, I have another sign. He still gives that buffer that in the fifth hour, you don't do anything to be sure that you have a clear separation of getting rid of the chametz and then the time for the next sacrifice. The Mishnah continues. It says, Rabbi Gamliel Omer, Chulin ne'echlin kol arba, utroma kol chamisha, v'sorfin v'tchilat shesh. Rabbi Gamliel says, non-consecrated food, regular food that I make every all the time, I can eat that the entire fourth hour. Instead of saying I don't eat anything on the fifth hour, he says there's a special type of food that can be eaten. That's the tithe that the Jewish people give to Kohanim, the truma, that only Kohanim can eat, and it has to be in a state of tahara, it has to be in a state of ritual purity, and the Kohanim have to eat it in a state of ritual purity. I'm allowed to eat that all the fifth hour if I have some bread or grains that were truma grains, and then I, I burn in the sixth hour. So he takes that middle hour where Rabbi Yehuda had no one eating, and he says the Kohanim can eat their truma. That's because Rabbi Gamliel wants to point out that once I hit the beginning of the sixth hour, I'm going to even have to burn my truma. Now, truma is a form of kodshim kalim. It's, it's a consecrated holy food. Human beings eat it, but it has a higher status. And in general, we don't like to burn things that are kodesh for no reason to just destroy them. So he wants to give you a little bit extra time so that you can consume the last of your truma for God forbid that you would have to burn it. Obviously, if you have left over, you're going to have to burn it. That's for sure. Um, but he wants to give you a little bit extra time. And he introduces us to this idea of, of the Kohanim and truma. And this Mishnah has entered us into the realm of the Mikdash in some way, right? We have the Kohanim's behavior. We have the Korban Todah. And obviously, because it's talking about the time of offering the Korban Pesach, we've all, that is another link. And so we need to unpack what's going on here. We need to understand what's going on here. Um, and I think that we're going to have to do it in our next session. I'll say one other thing about this double colonnade. It's mentioned one other time in the Mishnah. And it said when they bought a new parochet, when they bought a new curtain that would separate in the Holy of Holies, they would first lie it on this itztaba for all the nation to see how beautiful it was before they put it in the Beit HaMikdash in an area that most people would never, ever see. Okay, next time we'll we have to unpack what this comparison to the Korban Todah is. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.